Welcome back to COTK Online. It is great to be with you today. We are in the middle of the series, The Blessed Life. And if you know who we are as a church, you know our heart is to grow. I want to reach people with the truth that God knows them and loves them, but I want to see them grow into what he's called them to be. That that process of spiritual growth is replacing lies with the truth. And the truth is that God created us, and this is the heart of this series, to be generous. We are called to live open-handed. We're called to recognize that we wouldn't be here were it not for the goodness and the grace of God, and that we can walk in that goodness, we can walk in that grace, and when we do, we will live generously. In fact, the first week was all about the heart of generosity, and sometimes we end up in a place where we don't even recognize that we're not living and being generous, because we want to be. I believe most people want to be generous, but many times we're not, simply because we're not intentional about it. We kind of forget, and then we end up in this place, and I think the enemy's in it as well, where it's like the, the three mindsets we talked about, the bag the basket, the barn. Like we want to all be the person that has the barn that we are able to give abundantly to people in need. We're we're able to give to, to organizations or to people or to things that make a difference. That's everybody's heart. I firmly believe that. But somehow the enemy does a really good job of tricking us into instead of living in the barn or in the basket, which says there's more than enough. It's it's the five loaves and the two fishes that fed 5,000, actually more like 20,000 because they only said 5,000 men. Instead of living in that place, we live in the bag with the holes in it. And I I want you to know that God created you to have a heart of generosity. In Acts 20, 35, it says, and it's quoting Jesus, it's better to give than to receive. And, And so often we're focused on the receiving, which isn't bad. We're called to receive. But something happens when we are willing to freely open our heart and our hands and say, Lord, here I am. And we generously give to those in need. We generously give of our time, our talent, and our treasures. Last week, we talked about the blessed test, and really it's money. Money is the test. Am I going to love and trust God, or am I going to love and trust money? And the the blessed test last week was all about, okay, what is this thing about tithing, about giving my first and my best, and why, and what happens when I do? And if you haven't seen that message, a lot of people instantly tense up, go and watch it, because hopefully that will help you see the heart that God has for us in trusting Him and giving Him our first and our best, and out of that comes blessing that, that we're not enslaved to money. How can I be generous if I'm living in fear of never having enough? And that's really the heart of this series is what does it look like for us to live blessed? And and next week I'll be talking about what that means in dealing with my time and my talents and, and helping people in the blessed light. But this week, this week is a unique one. And I really like it. It's called The Generous Eye kind of a weird name, and I struggled with it. I uh, looked up multiple versions, and some of the versions of the scripture that I am used for this message were a little different, but they weren't as correct in the ancient Hebrew, because today's text, the, the hallmark verse comes out of Proverbs 22.9, and it says this, he who has a generous eye will be blessed. Some versions say, uh, he who is generous, but but it's very clear in Hebrew, it translates to generous eye. And I think that you probably get that because some people have an eye for fashion. 
Do you know people who just look sharp and dress sharp? They have an eye for fashion. Some people have an eye for talent. You know, I've I've been in competitive sports enough to know that some people just have a knack. We have a, a local high school baseball coach that has a knack for not just spotting talent, but, but but for developing it. He has an eye for that. Like, I know people, maybe I'm one of them, that has an eye for good food. Like, I know what good food is. I'm a, I'm a foodie, and I, I love, I got an eye for that. My question really is, do I have a generous eye? And if I do, what's that look like? Now, remember, Jesus said in Luke 6, 38, he says, give, and it will be given to you, a good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over. It'll be poured into your lap. For with the measure that you use, it will be measured unto you. So my heart for you is that you can develop that generous eye. I'm a musician. One thing I've learned is like, I have to develop my ear. If I want to play I already sing, but I was going to say, or sing, I already sing, not so great. But if I want to play really at the potential that I can and grow, I've got to develop my ear. Maybe today, you know where God's gifted you, or you have an eye for something, but we're all called to have a generous eye and to give. Jesus even said that, hey, the measure that you give, it's going to be given to you. So I, I want your eye for generosity to increase. So here's the thing. I think that all of us want to be blessed. And if I could see your hands and say, how many of you really want to be blessed? You'd all raise your hands. We would. Yes, yeah, thank you. Shami's back there raising his hand. Like, yeah, we all want to be blessed. We want to be blessed more. But how do we respond to God's blessings? It's, it's really a key point, and it's a point that's been driven home with me. I think there's two responses to how people respond to God's blessings. And, and here's the first one. It's pride. It's pride that we see that where it says in Scripture, it says every good, and this is the book of James, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights above. Every good thing in my life is from God. What did I do to get here? Like, nothing. I I had nothing to do with, with, I, I I just showed up. And one of the really fun things that I'll do with kids that are somewhere around three to maybe even as much as five years old, is I'll ask them, where did you come from? It's an interesting question to ask a child, where'd you come from? Because they'll usually go, I don't know. Or I've had them go, there, that's the most common question. They don't even know, like, whether they're in church or not. Like, there, and they'll point to their mom, mama, they don't know. And it's so funny because in the heart of a child, there's often such deep and profound truths. Where did you come from? What did you do to get here? I worked hard for my station in life. Okay. But how'd you get that life? Well, I, I, I went to school and I, I, I was up early and I, I stayed late. That, you're talking about a job or you're talking about a career. Or you're talking about some skill that you have. Those aren't bad things, but where did you come from? Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights above. So if God's blessed you with the gift of life, just remember that the tactic of the enemy, he would love to get you to believe that it is a curse. It is easy to do that. Maybe you've been at the place where it's been really dark, where you've been under the miserable, wet, oppressive blanket of depression. I've been there. 
That is not fun. And, and the tactic of the enemy in that is to make you think that life is a curse, but it's not. It's a blessing, and God's heart for you is blessing. But if he can't, if he can't get you to the place where you're thinking that life is a, is a curse, he's going to take the very good things that you do recognize and the blessings of God, and his goal is to distort them and twist them so that you think that it came from you. That's the root of pride. In fact, we see Jesus in Revelation chapter 3, and he's speaking and he says this, you say that, you say, I'm rich, I've acquired wealth and don't need a thing, but you don't realize that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. And without him, we are those things. My question is, is your response to the good things, the blessings of God in your life, I'm healthy because, you know, I take care of myself and I eat right and I exercise every day and, you know, I, I, I take time to, to meditate and I, I take care of my mental self, my physical self, I take care of it. That's great. That's great. You're, you're stewarding yourself well. But you know what? You also didn't get in a terrible, tragic wreck or get a horrible, you know, sickness that, that came out of nowhere. Like, it's not about you. See, the wrong response to God's blessings in pride, and there's two, two wrong responses, I believe. The first one is pride. It's like, look at me and look at what I've done. Look at me. And what does Jesus say? You say, I'm rich. I've acquired wealth. I don't need anything. I got it going on. That's what it's saying. But it's a wrong response. I'm blessed because I did, and you start naming your accomplishments or your hard work or the relationships that you poured into and developed. Like those accomplishments, hard work, pouring into relationships, receiving from, those are good things. But every good and perfect thing in my life I need to recognize came from him. My number one life verse, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart. It's number one. Don't lean on your own understanding. In other words, it's not about you. In all your ways, acknowledge him. God, it is you, and he'll direct your path. And when you trust God, it doesn't mean that he doesn't, that he he never he will never direct you to difficult times. He will. You will walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And in Psalms 23, we see this. But in the end, he's going to take you to a good place. He'll direct your path. The wrong response, the, dis- the distorted response of the enemy, if he can't get you to think that life's a curse, he's going to make you think that every good thing in your life came because you are all that. And that is pride. Don't let it distort you. The second thing is shame. A wrong response is shame. It's I'm embarrassed because of the things that God's blessed me with. Genesis 32, 9 through 10, we see Jacob. God's telling Jacob he's going to bless him. And look at what it says. Then then Jacob prayed, O Lord, who said to me, I will make you prosper. This is God speaking to him. And his response was, you can almost hear the shame. I'm unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you've shown your servant. See, shame is not... It's not a right response to God's blessings. I get it, though, because truth be told, I struggled with this for so long. Like, God just dumped out blessings on me, and I'd be like, oh, you know, well, I mean, I'm, I, God, I don't deserve that. And I'm, look, it's not about me. When you say, ah, I don't deserve it, you know what you're doing? You're making it about you. You are God's child, and He loves you. If you gave your child a gift— and their response was to be ashamed of it and embarrassed to show other their friends to what, what, 
what you had given them, you'd be like, whoa, 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 and don't do that. And they would say, yeah, but I'm not worthy. You're my kid. I want to bless you. See, the response is often either pride or shame, and neither one of them are right because it's all about us. I just going to be honest. I kind of like shoes and boots. I don't have a ton. I'm not a sneakerhead. I'm not a boot collector, but I do like nice shoes. And I found a really great pair of it was Floorshine like Chelsea boots that were they they are they are awesome. And I found them at Goodwill for twenty five dollars out the door. I was so stoked. Like I was, and people would have commented over and over and like, man, those are some nice, let's some expensive looking boots. Some nice. And they are, they're like super expensive boots, but I paid $25 for them. And I found myself quickly going to the place of, oh yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, they're, they're nice, but like, but like, like I got them for $25 at Goodwill, man. We were, we were in Houston and I found, actually, I think we were in San Antonio and we found them and like, it was such a good deal. You know what I was doing? I was doing that not to talk about the book good deal because I felt bad because like, well, I don't deserve these nice shoes. You see, there's some people that people walk up and like, man, that's some nice shoes. Yeah, like, man, I worked hard for them shoes. You know I did. That's, you know they're not cheap, right? They're expensive shoes. See, the response, it's not about me, that we can just go, thank you, God is good. I hope that that's your response. Remember why God has blessed you. God blessed you on purpose, for a purpose. Why is that? 2 Corinthians 9, 11 says, You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Hmm. Look at that. You'll be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. God wants to bless you. Remember why? He blessed you to be a blessing to others. In Genesis chapter 12, God's speaking to Abram. He says, I will make you into a great nation. I'll bless you. I'll make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. All the people on earth will be blessed through you, because God's heart of blessing you is that it's not about you. It's going to flow through you so that other people can be blessed. Like, do you recognize that the the heart of God for you is to trust him, to be generous, because you've been given the gift of life to freely give. Gee, Acts 20, 35, it's better to give than to receive. But you have to receive the truth of who you are before you can give with the right heart. I'm just convinced of that. You are God's child. You don't need to operate in pride thinking that you are the one that did all of this hard work to make all of you happen, because it's just not true. Or that I'm no good. I don't deserve this. I'm unworthy. I'm just a beggar begging for bread. Oh, really? Because the last time I checked, Jesus died for you, and he didn't look at you through the lens of you being a beggar. He looked at you through the lens of his child, a son or a daughter, and you were worth so much. But you have to recognize that your worth is not going to be the thing that brings validation to you. May you live in the place of knowing who he is. Open your heart and your hands. Here's what I want you to know, that because God's blessed you with more, that you will intentionally give more. God's blessed you with, if God blesses you with more, are you going to intentionally give more? Give more of what? 
your time, your talent, your giftings, your treasure? Are you going to be someone who gives more because you recognize you've, recognize you've been blessed more? Too much is given, much is required. What's required? God's heart for us is one of surrender to him, every area. My wife and I, for years, have had the practice in laying in bed, grab hands. Father, thank you for thank you for our house. It's not our, it's not ours. This is yours. Lord, thank you for our cars that are running because years that was a battle. Lord, thank you that they're running. Thank you for the blessing of our cars. They're not ours. They're yours. And then the stuff that really matters. Lord, thank you for our kids. Thank you for Christopher, for Nicholas, for Aubrey, for Eric. They are your children. We give everything to you. I have to be intentional about it because the heart is deceptively wicked wicked, and if we're not careful, we'll grab that stuff back. I want you to grow in generosity and grow in giving. So what does that look like? There's three levels, I believe, of giving. Here's the first one. And by the way, they're all good. But I want, I want you to keep growing through the levels. Here's the first one. The first one is spontaneous giving. I want you to be a spontaneous giver. If, if this is the generous eye that you are constantly looking around going, who can I bless? How can I make a difference? What can I do? And everywhere that you go, you're going to be looking, can I pay for their meal? Lord, Holy Spirit, what are you teaching me? Can I, can I, do, I need to, do I need to pray for that person? Do, do I need to give them something? What is it? It's a spontaneous thing. Your generous eye is continually looking around saying, Lord, where can I be a blessing? Who can I bless? How can I make a difference? Great example, Luke 10, 35. We see the parable of the Good Samaritan who sees this guy on the side of the road that's been beaten up, and the, even the priest went around him. He's a Samaritan, and this story is told about it like, to a, to a bunch of Jews who hated the Samaritans, didn't want anything to do with them. And so this man is, sees this Samaritan, yet he has compassion. And he picks him up, he tends to his wounds, he takes him to a hotel, and he pays the man's bill, pays the innkeeper to take care of him, says, listen, if there's any other charges, I'll come back and pay it. That was a spontaneous gift. It's Luke 10, 35. That next day he took out two silver coins, gave them to the innkeeper, look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. It's a spontaneous eye. It's the generous eye. I'm going to look around. What can I do in this moment? You know, we look at the first week, we talked about the heart of generosity and the story of the feeding of the 5,000 and the five loaves and the two fish and the kid that was like, oh, wow, I guess I've got this. I, y'all can have it. Feed everybody. It's like 20,000 people, but here you go. It was a spontaneous, spontaneous gift, but it was a generous eye. I want you to operate in spontaneous giving. It also changes your mindset when you go places because now you're looking to be a blessing everywhere you go. And it's so cool. Can I pay for this person's? If you're you're in line at the coffee shop, I'm, can I pay for theirs? Can I pray for somebody? Man, let me tell you right now, our outreach coordinator is like, he's got this going on, that spontaneous, generous eye. He got it everywhere he goes. Like they have, he and his wife have a, a thing with like waitresses and servers and just, they pray for him all the time. They're constantly on the lookout. How can I be a blessing? How can I be a blessing? It's so exciting. I love it. But that's really the first level. I want you to be a spontaneous giver, the generous eye. You're constantly looking all around you in the moment. Where can I give? That's good. But there's another level. The second level, I really believe, is the strategic giver. The first is the spontaneous giver. The second is the strategic giver. That means you plan to give. You have a plan. Isaiah 32, 8. Generous people plan to do what is generous. 
and they stand firm in their generosity. We talked about this last week in the blessed test. Are you planning strategically? What is your strategy to give? My strategy, my wife and I's strategy is to give our tithe. That's a 10% for us. That's a starting point. And offerings, what are we going to give above that? How can we do that? See, that's a whole nother level. I want you to have that generous eye to look around you wherever you go. Man, can I be a blessing? By the way, it's a blast. Just a few dollars can bring such joy to the people that you bless and unbelievable fulfillment to you. But when you take the next step, I'm going to be strategic in my giving of my time. I'm going to serve. I'm going to sign up somewhere, anywhere to help people. I'm going to do this strategically. My strategy is giving. I'm going to be a tither. I'm going to get, this is, this is, let me tell you that that's tough, but can I remind you that everything we have is a gift. And when we return, what is not even ours in the first place and our time, our talent and our treasure, God blesses it. He just, what's your strategy? Don't forget about second Corinthians nine, six through eight, where Paul writes and he says, you need to, and this, this is really, if you're going like, okay, well, I, what's, what's my strategy? Paul writes about this. He says, decide how much you're called to give. And I would say you, that decision should be based on the Holy Spirit because God will show you what to give. You know what I found? Is to be, this is so true. I, I promise you this is true. You cannot outgive God. You can't, but you can outgive yourself. You can be stupid. Don't do that. Follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Decide what to give. Then don't do it under pressure or out of obligation. Paul writes that. And then he says, do it cheerfully. I want you to be a spontaneous giver. I want you to be a strategic giver because something happens when you begin to release more of yourself into the world around you. God, God meets you and you can't outgive God. But here's the third one. It's the sacrificial giver. It's the person that is giving. Give until it hurts. Jesus, I want you to picture this. Jesus is sitting with his disciples and they're in the the temple courtyard, uh, right where everybody goes to give their offerings. And they're watching people as they're putting money in the offering. Mark 12, 41 through 44 says this, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all of the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. You may say, I I don't have much to give. Can I be honest? By the way, we got the donation statement from the church. The church sends us our donation statements if you give to the church because it's a tax-deductible gift, and so we we give out every year a donation statement. And I looked at our donation statement. (laughs) Whoa! It's a joy. But I realized... 
it's way more than that first big test that Lisa and I had years ago. I talked about it last week. In the, I think I talked about it either online or in person about how the trailer that we gave when we were in, only married for a couple of years and got plugged into a church in Broussard, Louisiana. They were having a building campaign for their first building, and we sacrificially sowed big time into that. And like, dollar-wise, you know what? It wasn't a big sum. It was, you know, a few thousand bucks. It was the price that we sold our really nasty trailer for. But sacrifice-wise, it was huge, and it taught us something. That when you trust God and you're spirit-led, you're not going to outgive Him. My heart for you is that you know, even if you don't have, like, don't feel like, I, I, I don't have that much to give. It's not about the amount. It's about the heart and the leading of God behind it. Your heart to go, Lord, thank you. Thank you. What do you see? when you look at your, your life and yourself, do you see that it's a gift and a blessing from God? Do you believe that he is the source of every good thing in your life? Let me tell you, the enemy works hard to distort that and keep you in the place of pride or shame or to keep you feeling like life's a curse, but it's not. It's a gift and a blessing. God's heart for you is to see the truth of what he's giving you. And what is he giving you? Life, breath, peace. It's the fruit of his spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, meekness, self-control, love, joy, peace. Just those three right there, the first three. God wants you to see with a generous eye. It's John 3.16, for God so loved that he gave. The same is true for us. My heart for you is that you can give. I, I talk about this because first of all, it's who I am. It's who God is, more importantly, way. It is who our church is. You know, what, what is it? I mean, you can look online. It's, you're watching online. You can click right now if you want on the second screen. The Bible's our starting point. We reach people. We build lives. We're better together. Growth is the goal. I want you to grow, to be more and more like Jesus. Look, I, I'm glad that you follow. Click follow. That's great. But if you're following people online, but you're not following Jesus, we are called to, to grow into him. And to follow him. The fifth thing, generosity is our game plan. And our church gives way above that 10%. We sacrificially give. Why? Because we've been given an awful lot. And it is such a blessing to see the lives that are impacted. I love it. The last value is the future is our focus. And I can't help 
but think about what God's got for you in the future as you trust him and surrender all. And that is the core and the heart of generosity that we've surrendered all. Lord, everything I have is yours. God doesn't call you to do stupid things with it, with, with your time, talent, or your treasure, but he does call you to surrender everything in your life to him. All of it. Lord, it's yours. What would you have me to do? Maybe today you find yourself at the place of like, I really need to be a, become a spontaneous giver. That's the, great. That's awesome. I hope that you do. Or maybe you're at the place that God's calling you to be a strategic giver, to sit down and think. And if you're married, sit down with your spouse and go, what can we give? What can we serve? So that one day you become one of those fanatical, sacrificial givers that realize that you can't outgive God. Just trust. Trust, walk by his leading. And maybe he's dealing with your heart today. And maybe, maybe God's calling you to take the next step in following him. And if that's you, I want to pray with you. Father, I pray right now. Father, I just pray that if you're dealing with people's heart right now, they can see the blessings that you've given them. And that, Father, they can respond by surrendering first their heart, mind, and soul. And then they give you every moment of every day and all that they have. If that's you, I just want to pray with you. You can just pray a prayer like that. Say, Jesus, I love you and surrender to you. Forgive me for my shortcomings and sin. I choose you. I'm yours in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, if God is knocking on the door of your heart and you open it, let us know. If you need somebody to connect with, to pray with, let us know that's our heart. I want to see you grow because I know that the best is yet to come if you follow him. Love you guys. God bless.